Welcome to Thoughts on the Market. I'm Graham Secker, Morgan Stanley's Chief European Equity Strategist. I am Stefan Kessler, Global Head of Quantif Investment Strategies Research. And on this special episode of the podcast, we'll be talking about the potential return of value investing post its decade-long decline since the global financial crisis. It's Friday, July the 1st at 10am in London. As most listeners of this particular podcast are probably aware, for much of the past decade, investors have had something of a love affair with the high-flying growth stocks in the market. Meanwhile, their value price counterparts, the shares of which tend to trade at relatively low price-to-earnings multiples and or offering high dividend yields, have had a considerably rougher time of it. But I believe that the last decade is more the exception to the rule rather than the norm And I think your analysis, Stefan, shows that this is true, yes? Yes, agreed. We have looked at the performance of value as an investment style back to the 1920s, and we find that the period between the end of the global financial crisis and the COVID pandemic was only the decade where value did underperform. For me, the why, here's really an interesting question to pick apart, which you and I look at through two different lenses. You're the fundamental strategist, and I'm the quantitative analyst. So I think my first question to you is, from your fundamental point of view, what were the drivers of values underperformance during this lost decade? Yes. So from our perspective, we think there were two main drivers of values underperformance post the GFC. Firstly, a backdrop of low growth, low inflation, and low and falling and negative interest rates created a particularly problematic macro backdrop for value stocks. The former two factors were weighing on the relative profitability of value stocks, while the very low interest rates were actually boosting the P-E ratio of longer duration growth stocks. This unpalatable macro backdrop then coincided with a challenging micro backdrop as the broad theme of disruption took hold across markets. This prompted greater hope among investors for the long-term growth potential of the disruptors while undermining the case for mean reversion across other areas of the market, whereby cyclical slowdowns were often effectively viewed as structural declines. So, Stefan, you said that the discount on value stocks cannot be explained fully by fundamentals or justified by the earnings overview. What do you believe are the deeper drivers for this discount? When we look at value, it faced over the past few years a range of challenges, really. On the behavioral side, investors have focused on growth stocks and growth opportunities. This led to a substantial and persistent deviation of equities from their fair values and an underperformance of value investors. Next to this more behavioral argument, we find that the environmental, social, and governance-related aspects, or in short, ESG, and monetary policy were themes which drove price action. Equity value has a negative exposure to those themes. And finally, when you look at the 2020 period, it was a classical value trap situation. Companies which were most affected by the COVID pandemic sold off and appeared cheap based on quite a range of value metrics, while the COVID catalyst continued to disrupt markets and they led to companies which were cheaply valued not being able to recover as they had exposure to these disruptors. This only started to resolve in 2021, which is also when we start to see value regain performance. To get back to a more generalist view of the main drivers of values underperformance, I'd like to get back to you, Graham. You've, you've observed a link between the macro and the micro, which created something of a vicious circle for value in the last cycle. Can you talk about how the situation looks going forward? Yes, going forward, we think this vicious cycle for value could actually turn to be something more of a virtuous cycle over the next few years, 
We argue that we've entered a new environment of higher inflation and associated with that higher nominal growth. And that drives a recovery in the profitability of these older economy type companies. And at the same time, a rising cost of capital undermines the case for the disruptors. And that can happen both in terms of lower valuations off the back of higher interest rates, but also as liquidity starts to subside, a lack of capital to fund their future business growth. Stefan, you mentioned two of these key disruptive forces, quantitative easing by the central banks and then the rise of ESG. Can you talk about the impact of these two elements on the equity investment landscape? ESG is a major theme in financial markets today. And in particular, in this 2018-20 period, we saw ESG positive names build up a premium, which made them appear expensive in the context of value metrics. These ESG valuation premia then turned out to be persistent and at times even grew. This then goes, of course, against value investors who try to benefit from this misvaluations mean reverting. And to the extent these misvaluations even turned stronger, that drove their losses. Quantitative easing is another aspect that drove price action. We find that value tends to underperform in time periods of low interest rates and does well in a rising rates environment. The economic driver behind this empirical observation is that the very low rates we saw in the past make proper valuations of firms difficult as discounted cash flow approaches are challenged. And so on the back of that, lower rates simply lead to valuation and value as signals being challenged and not properly priced. So given the historical narrative and all the forces at play during the past decade, what is your preference between value versus growth for the second half of 2020 and beyond that, Graham? Yeah, so in the short term, a backdrop of continued high inflation and rising interest rates should, we think, continue to favour value over growth. However, perhaps right towards the end of this year, we do envisage a situation where that could reverse a little bit, albeit temporarily. Once inflation has peaked and the economic downturn has materialised, investor attention may start to focus on rates no longer rising, and that will put a little bit of a bid back under the growth stocks again. But I think if we look longer term, actually, I'm beginning to think that what we'll see is that the whole value versus growth debate actually becomes a bit more balanced. And hence, I can see more range-bound relative performance thereafter. And Stefan, from your perspective, in a world of rising bond yields and lower or normalized QE, what is your outlook for value going forward too? Well, when we look at the two catalysts for value underperformance, ESG and quantitative easing I mentioned earlier, we see that their grip on the market is loosening. For one, markets have moved into rates tightening cycle, which means investors focus more near-term cash flows rather than terminal value. This is a positive for value companies, which tend to well under such considerations. Furthermore, the dynamism of ESG themes has abated compared to the 1820 period, leading to a lower effect on value. Another angle on this is also when we look at the valuation of value as a style, it's quite cheap, so it's a good entry point. This leads to a positive outlook for value, but also for other styles. We like particularly the combination of value and quality as it benefits from the attractive entry levels for value, as well as the defensiveness of an investment in quality shares. So to summarize, from a fundamental and quantitative approach, both Stefan and I think that the extreme underperformance of value that we've seen over the prior decade has ended. Value looks well-placed to return to its traditional outperformance trends going forward. Stefan, thanks for taking the time to talk today. Great speaking to you, Graham. And thanks for listening. If you enjoy Thoughts on the Market, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share the podcast with a friend or colleague today. 
The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you.